In old school games, life is cheap. Don't be a dope. Bring your pole, oil, and rope. And try not to go down in a heap. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Shield Talk podcast. Now it's down in a heap. And I'm your host, Rob, podcasting to you live from Arctic, Northeast Minneapolis. It's currently 17 below outside with something like a 30 below wind chill. So even though we had a really mild January, uh, looks like February, or at least a big part of it is going to be the deep freeze meat locker, which uh, happens every year, right? There's always a cold stretch somewhere <laughs> when you live in the northern part of the U.S. or or in Canada, obviously, right? Um, but as long as the cars start, that's all that really matters, uh, and the furnace keeps running. <laughs> Hopefully that will be the case. But I have had a number of calls, again, talking about the Shields shall be splintered rule, and I've got a call here from Minion, a.k.a. Rob, from the Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy podcast. And he did his own podcast recently regarding this called uh, Shiver Spear and Shatter Shield. Take it away, Rob. Welcome to the penthouse, Thunder. Hello, Rob C. This is Rob M. Uh, Menion, that is. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for um, putting out what you've been putting out, especially about the rules for Swords and Wizardry. I don't think I really got back to you on this, but... Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's really, I'm using the system and uh, it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of in what you say that's, that sparked ideas in my head, um, particularly about home, uh, well, house rules and, and, um, you know, making little changes to have the game more, more enjoyable and more personalized to the kind of experience that we're seeking at the table. So I've got a bunch of rules that are sort of inspired by your uh, idea of uh, breaking shields and and uh, I'll probably be um, playtesting them at the table very soon. So I just wanted to thank you for that and I, I reckon I'll do an episode of my own because it will take up way too much time otherwise. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it and uh, I've been enjoying your podcast as well. Definitely go check out that most recent episode uh, by Rob. It's... He lays out um, not only kind of an expanded idea behind the splintering shields rules in that he also allows you to uh, absorb damage with your armor, and I'm quite sure it's the value of the the armor class that your, your armor provides, uh, and he's using swords and wizardry as well. So if you had uh, ringmail armor, for instance, it uh, would absorb three points of damage, and then it would step down in the armor ratings. So if you used your leather armor to absorb uh, damage, it would be destroyed, but your plate would become chain, or the equivalent of chain, and you could get it repaired. So that's an interesting idea. And then he also uh, has a system where you can uh, use your weapon to kind of like parry a melee blow or something, not a missile weapon, obviously, or other things, but uh, a melee attack, and that would step down in its damage die too once you use that, and the the damage die itself is uh, the basis for how much damage it would absorb. So 
yeah, some really interesting ideas. Plus, he's got some cool ideas about um, modifying die rolls through tactics and group elan and things like that, um, which would permit characters that have uh, become immobilized somehow or just can't take part in an attack because, say, you're fighting... The example he gives is a bunch of werewolves and you don't have a magic weapon or a silver weapon to attack them. You know, you can, with this um, kind of abstract system he's created, you could do things that would aid the attacks of your comrades and stuff. And even, he's got once something where if you pass away, your character dies, you can still, like, use one last kind of, like, spirit kind of help out, um... To modify a die roll or something it's uh, yeah well worth a, a listen i love hearing other people's house rules for old school games i think i think house rules are i don't know add to the charm of the game it's really makes your group and your table unique you can craft the game and like rob pointed out ways to uh just personalize it and uh I don't know. There's something to be said for playing a game rules as written that you have a common language with other gamers and stuff, but uh, I'm definitely more of the mindset where I like uh, I like tailoring it to the the feel of the the game I want to use at that time, and uh, that's why I think games like Swords and Wizardry or BX or just old school D and D in general is uh, the easiest to tinker around with so yeah hope you keep listening rob and uh, keep calling when you have the uh the urge to see you all right now i've got a few calls from jason from nerds rpg variety cast and from daniel from bandits keep talking about the shields rules and how many times a day you can use them whether or not that's a good design choice or uh, it falls in the lines of being adversarial. Yeah. Take it away, guys. Hey, Rob, I hate to say this, but I agree with Joe. Not that I hate to agree with Joe, but I hate to go against you. But, um, yeah, I, you, you say that letting the players splinter shields as often as they replace their shields is, gets in that adversarial mo- or I'm sorry, you said that tracking their encumbrance and nitpicking is adversarial but saying they can only do it once a day is kind of adversarial too to some degree it's an adversarial design choice right i i don't know um i i kind of think i'm with joe where let them you know enforce the encumbrance rules and let them deal with that mind you if in your group you don't do encumbrance and don't track light sources and don't track you don't track those things and now then you have to add all that in in which case your rule of once a day makes a lot of sense so I can definitely see that if you don't track those things at this point. Once per level for NPCs to sunder shields. Wow, that's like bookkeeping, man. I don't want to do bookkeeping in a game. I would definitely just do it once a game. But that's because I'm lazy. You'd have to like write it on the sheet and try to remember it. Because how quickly are your, your NPCs leveling up, really? So I, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting idea. But I think I'd go saving throws before I did once a level. Because once a level sounds like work. But I, I love the Invoke Tim Short spell you did at the end there. 
Thanks for sucking us into your black magic. Talk to you next time. Hey, Rob. Daniel from Bandit's Keep. Thanks for playing my other messages, by the way. Um, so I'm just replying back to the message show, uh, talking about the shields, and there was the idea of like being able to do it once or twice or however many times per session. Actually, in my campaign, I did not have any kind of restriction, and I did have a player that would carry a shield, have a second one on their back, and then they had like torchbearers that just carried shields. It was kind of cheesy, but it wasn't against the rules, so I was fine with it. Uh, it as it turns out, other players kind of got a little bit more aggravated with it than I did. But I think of it like if you ever watch like a tournament, I mean, I don't know how accurate these are to actual medieval times, but with, the, with knights, right, they get a shield smashed or they get their lance broken and somebody runs in and gives them another one. So it seemed reasonable to me if you're a warrior, you might have extra or backup of tools. But I can see on a meta level that if it really is that like get out of jail card, if that's how you're looking at it and it's only for PCs, I could see only allowing it once. Hey, thanks for the calls, guys. I appreciate it. Good stuff there. Um, yeah, I I think I'm going to... Sorry, Jason. I think I'm just going to stick with the once-per-game session rule on it. I see your, where you're coming from with uh, just allowing the encumbrance rules to really limit the amount of times that PCs can do it. But really, I don't know. I just think that it's... I think of it as kind of a a class ability more than anything else. So just like you limit the amount of times um, a magic user can cast spells, you limit the amount of time that other spellcasters can cast spells. Um, I think of it in kind of those terms too. Uh, if a magic user was able to throw up a shield spell every round or every encounter, it would kind of uh, break the game a little bit, I think. And if a, a fighter or a cleric or anyone that can use a shield can absorb damage every encounter it might break the game a little bit it might unbalance it in favor of those characters that can use a shield and um, if you adopted some of the uh, things that Minion uh, suggested having armor and weapons also be able to use to be used to absorb damage maybe that would even the playing field a little bit and I'd consider that, um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, the goal, the ideal in the games I run is to track encumbrance and to track things like rations and water and light sources. But so much of that is really dependent on players that buy into that as well. And for the most part, I think my players have good intentions and I have good intentions, but we really lack in the follow-up and the follow-through on that. So if I were to ask the players, you know, at this at the start of my next game session, hey, boom, tell me what your encumbrance is at right now. I have a feeling that none of them could really just give me an answer, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, now, if if I did play it up and, and really... Uh, enforce those kinds of rules in order to to have you know if i if the carrot was there hey if we really follow through with the encumbrance rules i'll let you use the shields shall be splintered rule all the time then maybe i'd get buy-in maybe that would be incentive enough for them to get buy on and buy in and it would work but like you point out later then 
as far as bookkeeping, no one wants to do bookkeeping. It's kind of at odds with that, right? Um, I incidentally, I don't think it would be that hard to keep track of ones per level, like Evil Jeff suggested. It's, I mean, you keep it, you're tracking things like hit points all the time, right? Um, that goes up and down all the time. Um, something like just making a tick mark next to a NPC that they used it and then erase it or something when they advance a level would be pretty easy to do. But your talk of retainers and Daniel's talk of retainers, yeah, that makes me think I've got a podcast coming up here. Hmm. But Daniel's points too, um, you know, the tournaments and having like a shield bearer, a second, a squire that's carrying around some shields and extra equipment and stuff, very valid points. And, uh, and that will come into play too, right? If the if the party is left town with henchmen, laborers, porters, uh, men at arms, torchbearers, and stuff, and they have extra equipment that they bring along, they can use it all, right? I mean, so if they have a dungeon delve and a couple of the characters use their shields to sunder and absorb damage, you know, then they've got their backup shield that they can use in the next encounter and it still functions as armor, they just can't splinter it. But then in the next session, if they say they don't return to town, they're just at a base camp by the dungeon or something, well, they can sunder again with their with their backup shield, and if they have a backup to that, they can keep staying at the, at the dungeon using up this equipment that they've brought along, much like if they bring enough rations and enough rope and oil and torches and stuff, they can have an extended delve without re- having to trek back to town and, and risk uh, encounters along the way and stuff. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely incentive, even if you limit the amount of times that you're going to use the rule, uh, there's incentive to bring extra equipment with. Um, and as Daniel alludes to, too, I think a lot of all this is really kind of the idea of the spirit of the game, the spirit of the rules. And you have to acknowledge on some level that all these things are meta and, and gamey and stuff. And, um, and sometimes for the, for the benefit of the game experience, you have to impose some of these balancing quote unquote restrictions. Um, the game's littered with them. You know, in a class archetype species game like D&D based games there should be advantages and drawbacks for each of the classes and each of the potential uh, human and demi-human species that you can play and uh, that's what makes this this palette that you or different things you can select in your in your character creation and in the makeup of the party that makes the game interesting where you've got the magic user casting spells, but very limited in combat ability. The fighter is the exact opposite. No spells, great combat ability. Some of the demi-human races, they've got dark vision. They maybe have an improved saving throw abilities, but they're curtailed in what classes they can choose and uh, in the level they can attain to balance out what humans have. And in my house rules, I've also given some more incentive to play human to try and maintain what I see as that balance in, in choice to make 
every class worthwhile that none of them are, you know, become kind of a exercise in futility. And that's the last point I'll make is what Daniel brings up too, where he noticed that some of the other players in the game were getting kind of irritated by characters maybe abusing the spirit of the game with this sundering rule. I think that's a, an interesting observation that we often overlook both in uh, in actual rules and in like play style and role-playing choices and stuff that what might be fun for you, you might look around the table and everyone's rolling their eyes that your paladin is yet again snuffing out the fun at the table or <laughs> or someone hamming it up with their character is, you know, taking up a, a ton of game time and maybe the other players aren't so as interested or as interested in the role-playing interludes that that another player demanding the spotlight is is looking for so it's it's all about understanding what everyone thinks of as fun and trying to to uh, come to an accord on satisfying all those um, desires at the table so everyone um, has a good game experience right but I guess that's enough shield talk for now if I mean let's not end the conversation if you've got more to add certainly call in with that and I'm still planning on uh, doing another installment of the deep dive on dragons next week, specifically about old school dragon mechanics and setups and uh, the Dragon Slayer movie in particular, but also dragons in other game material or movies and, uh, and books and whatnot. So I've gotten a number of calls already, but keep them coming if you haven't chimed in yet please do so and we'll put together an episode next week on dragons so thanks for listening don't go down in a heap oh yeah and jason it looks like i'm not uh, a disciple of the black arts i failed my (laughs) spell check to invoke tim shorts or maybe it's just a delayed reaction and uh he'll pick up on it soon let's hope so I love hearing from Tim. See ya.